thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. It's the Indians 7, the Kansas City Royals 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. However, there is so much news that has happened in between the last time we have talked. And, uh, you know, one of the things on the show is I promised you I would touch on any big MLB news. And there is so much going on in the Indians world and Major League Baseball right now. Uh, We're going to touch on that really quick at the top of the show. I also wanted to give a shout out to our third contest winner, Phil, who sent in an awesome review. Uh, Phil, thank you so much. He's our third free t-shirt winner. If you want to win a free Cleveland Baseball Mornings t-shirt, I got two more to give away. All you have to do is leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, Phil had to jump through some serious, serious technological hoops to make this happen, and I truly appreciate the length that he went through to figure out all that tech. Uh, so I, I, you know, I didn't think about that. I didn't think how hard it would be for some people who don't have Apple products and things like that, maybe don't use Apple Podcasts. I went with it because it really is the number one podcasting app. And by the way, our show is absolutely popping in the UK. So a huge thank you to all the UK listeners. Uh, I use this app to kind of see where the show charts, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts. And we were the number five baseball podcast in the UK last week. The number five. We were up there with like the ESPN Tonight podcast. And Cleveland Baseball Mornings was side-by-side with it. So that is fantastic. Our little show, we're making it grow. And Phil, reviews like this help. He said, I love this show. It's as Cleveland as Public Square, Big Chuck and Little John, Pink Flamingo Yard yard Ornaments, Joe Tate, and Brown Not Yellow Hot Dog Mustard. Oh, Phil, I'm going to break your heart. I don't like the brown mustards. I'm sorry. (laughs) It is a very Cleveland thing, though. So Phil had some really... Nice things to say. He's locked like a laser onto the actual game on the field. That's right, Phil. You know how we do it on this show. So thank you so much, Phil. It's a really nice review. And it just it helps other people find the show. It helps the show grow. So I got two more free t-shirts to give away. So if you want a free Cleveland Baseball Mornings t-shirt, find your way over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. And uh, email it to me, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Tweet it at me. You can hit me in the DMs that way if you want, at Davey Barris, and uh, let me know about it. All right, getting into some of this news, uh, the Indians have made a trade. The Indians have made a trade. Did you know that? Uh, you can trade minor leaguers still, and you could trade uh, you know, guys that haven't been called up yet, guys, guys you signed to minor league deals, and that's what they did with Brad Peacock. They traded him to the Red Sox for cash. Um, I think this happened uh, like two days ago. This happened during the off day. Brad Peacock, who frankly was not doing very well in AAA for us, you know, he's someone who we signed for depth, thinking that it might help. Well, he goes in and starts against Tampa Bay for the Boston Red Sox yesterday, and it does not go well. He lasts two and a third inning, gives up only two hits, but five runs. Two walks, no strikeouts, and one home run allowed. How big of a home run was this? A Rosarena, it was a, there was nobody on base. How did he give up five runs, but only give up, he only left four guys on base? 
This is insane. He did hit Mejia. So uh, there's another guy he led on base. Man, I guess all five guys that he led on base, the hits, the walks, and the hit batsmen all come in to score. So crazy day for Brad Peacock. And all right, I'll take a little cash for Brad Peacock. We weren't going to use him. He was having a pretty rough season at AAA. Uh, So yeah, so we get a little cash back in that deal. So that was the first bit of news. Then the Indians, uh, you know, Wilson Ramos, they announced it was an ACL injury and the MCL, frankly. Uh, so he's done for the season, and he's got a long road of recovery to come back from that. I, I mean, he wasn't as old as I thought he was. I think he's only in his early 30s. And uh, so there's a chance Wilson Ramos can see the field again. He can work through this, but it's going to take like a year of rehab. I think the ACL is like a probably like a nine-month injury or something like that. We'll see. So he's looking at nine to 12 months probably recovery on that. And obviously, it's an injury you see a lot more in the heavier contact sports like football. Uh, It's not something you see very often in baseball. But yeah, so the Indians needed to call someone up. So they go out and they can't go to AAA because every catcher in AAA has COVID right now or is on the COVID list. So they end up going all the way down to single A and calling up Gianpaul Gonzalez, who is a 2014 draft pick for them who's bounced all over the minor leagues for them. And, uh, yeah, they they basically explain the situation to him. Look, some of the guys have COVID at AAA. We need you to step up, be Austin Hedges' backup. He's caught Plesak, Bieber, and Savali on rehab starts. So he's caught most of our starting pitching. Um, he said he wasn't as familiar with the bullpen, but he knew the starters. And he's having an okay season uh, at single A. He's hitting two fifty. Um, yeah, so he's the guy that gets the call up and he was Austin Hedges' backup last night. He was super excited. First call he made was to his father, uh, Pablo in Puerto Rico, told him how happy he was. And, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool story for a guy who, who knows if this guy ever would have made it to the show. I mean, obviously he's like 25 years old now, still catching in single A ball, uh, has bounced up and down the minor league system. I'm not even sure what this guy's journey was, why he's been bounced around so much. But, hey, he's getting a a moment right here. He's getting a moment. He he may not get into a game this weekend. I, frankly, I would have loved to have seen him pinch hit for uh, Austin Hedges. I think Hedges came up in like the eighth inning or something like that. I would have loved to have seen him pinch hit in the eighth to end the eighth inning. Uh, just so he could have one major league at bat, right? We were up 7 nothing. What were the chances the Royals were going to come back? It would have been fun to give that guy one at bat. Uh, I know we're not in the business in the major leagues of doing anybody any favors, but can we get can we get him one at bat before he gets inevitably sent back down? Roberto Perez uh, had a great rehab start yesterday, I heard. So uh, who knows if he might beat LaVarnway. Like, LaVarnway needs to clear COVID protocols to get called up and be the backup catcher. But if Perez is that hot in his rehab start, he might beat Lavarnaway back. So, yeah, so it's a fun story for Paul Gonzalez. Then we have the story in New York. You know we're keeping track of the Mets this season with everything that's gone down with Lindor and this team. And what a perfect, what a perfect back-to-back story. What Lindor and Javi Baez are doing right now for the Mets versus what Ahmed Rosario is doing for the Indians. 
So Baez and Francisco Lindor have decided that because they've been booed so much, they were going to give the thumbs down to the fans every time they did something good to show their displeasure with the fans. Frankly, I find the whole situation kind of hilarious. Like, Francisco Lindor clearly wanted this. He wanted to be the big dog in a big market. He wanted that huge Tatis Machado contract. He wanted superstardom. And I think I think from his body language, I'm reading completely into his body language here. It felt to me like Lindor was very appreciative of the opportunity that the Indians organization gave him. The fact that he got to go to a World Series, the fact that the fans supported him so much, and the fact that he was an all-star, multi-time all-star here, uh, and had a couple of really great seasons, right? I think he appreciated that, but I think he was fully aware that the Dolans were never going to give him the monster contract he wanted, and he pretty much has wanted out for like the last two seasons he was in Cleveland. Like, Mr. Smile was gone by the end, and it doesn't look like he's come back. Like, Seems like a very serious dude, and a couple of people said this, have shown his true colors. I never bought into the Mr. Smile routine. I always thought there was something else going on there. And uh, you can go back to the early episodes of this podcast, and I I wasn't sure about Francisco Lindor and his long-term future with the Indians, and whether even it was the right decision. So, um, yeah. Now the Mets. Now he has to deal with Mets fans, and they're brutal. They're rough. They want to win, and that's what we all want. We all want to win. There's nothing wrong with that. And so they've been booing because the Mets have been stinking it up. They fell out of first place. They fell way back. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. And uh, yeah, so this whole thumbs down thing, I find it hilarious. Hey, if you want to rebel against the fans, go for it. If you want to start a feud with your own fans, go for it. You're not going to, you know, hopefully you never see something like that in Cleveland. I think the fans in Cleveland have a little bit more support for their team. Uh, and they uh, they understand baseball a little more. There's, I mean, the Mets have been a tough organization for a while. And uh, it doesn't help with what the Yankees do, you know, across the city. I think Cleveland fans are a little more realistic, frankly, about the struggles of being a Major League Baseball team. And the ups and downs of being a Major League Baseball team. And we develop a lot of good internal players. When you sign that many big-name free agents, when you go out after that many big names, you ex- you have expectations. And maybe because Cleveland doesn't do that, we don't have the same expectations. If Bradley Zimmer develops, that's fantastic. If he doesn't, eh, we'll all talk about He'll put him on the list with Tyler Naquin and uh, uh, Lonnie Chisenhall of first-round picks that just never really developed the way we thought they would. So that's what's going on around Major League Baseball. All right, let's get into this game. We are 12 minutes into this podcast. Let's talk about this game. And it was the Ahmed Rosario show. It was the Ahmed Rosario show absolutely showing out and no doubt about it I am not going to forget it today MVP for the day goes to Ahmed Rosario I think uh, Zach Plesak could have pitched a shutout a 10 strikeout shutout and I still would have given MVP for the day to Ahmed Rosario for five for five on the day including an inside the park home run are you kidding me and an outside the park home run 
uh, Ahmed Rosario, every time he came up to the plate, you're like, man, what a, what a day he's having. Could he possibly do it again? And sure enough, he delivers. Not to mention that, five RBIs also on the day. And of course, the Indians' Twitter is all over it. Indians' perspective always has the good tweets, the good stats. Oh, no, Cleveland Stats had this one. Cleveland Stats shouted out um, after Sarah Langs had her tweet about uh, four-plus hit nights with five-plus RBIs in a game. Um, the only Indian shortstops to do that since the RBI became an official stat. So four-plus hits, five-plus RBIs was Ahmed Rosario t- last night as Drupal Cabrera in 2011. Frank Duffy did it twice in the 70s, and Joe Sewell in 24, 1924, did it. So elite company there when it comes to Indian shortstops, but Cleveland stats hits her back with some more fun stats. In Cleveland Indians franchise history, only six players have recorded a game with each of the following stats. Five-plus hits, two-plus home runs, or five-plus RBIs. And five-plus RBIs. Ahmed Rosario does it. Lonnie Chisenhall did it in 2014, as Drupal Cabrera did it in 2011. Victor Martinez did it in 2004. Casey Blake did it in 2003. And uh, Minnie Minosa did it in 1959. So again, that is some fun company there. And I think Ahmed Rosario fits with Lonnie Chisenhall and his Drupal Cabrera and Casey Blake. You know, I don't know how many all-star teams those guys are going to make, right? But they were the kind of hitters where you had to look out for them, where they would probably drive a team like Kansas City crazy because they probably would beat up on someone like Kansas City every time they saw them, you know? They were the kind of players that wouldn't make all-star teams, but other teams around the AL Central probably hated facing them because they could get hot like that on a night. They could have a night. Lonnie Chisenhall had a couple of those crazy nights. Um, as Drew Cabrera did make a couple all-star teams, obviously Victor Martinez was a fantastic hitter. Uh, Casey Blake, he would he would do it. He would get hot some of the nights and just have crazy nights. Fortunately, I don't know Minnie Minosa that well. Uh, some of you older veteran fans can tell me about Minnie Minosa and how good he was. So Ahmed Rosario is in fun company there with the kind of night he had. And let's get into it. Let's talk about all his at-bats. Because the first one, the second batter of the game, after Miles Straw lined out at 97.6, Ahmed Rosario shoots one into right field at 96 miles per hour. Uh, I believe it was a fastball that was up. Let's go to the matchup here and uh, see where Jacob Junis left this pitch. Yep, second pitch of the bat, a fastball that was up, and he shoots it into right field. Goes almost to the wall. Did it hit the wall on a fly? Either way, the right fielder leapt for it. Couldn't come up with the catch. Slams into the wall. Uh, goes down. And in right field corner, he's got no backup. I mean, the center fielder barely moved. Uh, I think on one shot of Ahmed Rosario rounding second base and heading to third, you can see the center fielder finally get his butt in gear. Uh, but the right fielder stranded out there in no man's land. Who's out there last night for the... Uh, for the Kansas City Royals. Out there in right field was Oliveres. And uh, yeah, Ahmed Rosario, I mean, they didn't even get a throw home. I mean, he was that quick around the bases. I would love to know the sprint speed because out of the box, out of the box, he was at least thinking double. 
And as soon as that ball hit the wall, he was thinking inside the park home run. I mean, he was on his horse the entire time. All right, his next at bat, he comes up in the third inning with nobody on and shoots another single in a right field. Uh, this time it's a cutter that was in, and he's able to just keep his hands back. That's a hard pitch uh, to shoot into right field, but he does it 94.2, almost a hard hit ball. Uh, hey, let's 94 is not bad, and shoots it into right field for another single. That one does not turn into anything. His next time up would be a little more productive, so he would come up in the fifth inning here. And uh, let's pull up this at-bat and see what he gets here in the fifth inning. This one, he works a little longer at-bat. This is a four-pitch at-bat. After Owen Miller uh, grounds out to start the inning, Austin Hedges walks. A force out puts Daniel Johnson on in place of Austin Hedges. Miles Straw then flips his bat at an outside pitch and bloops it. Let's see the exit velocity on this one right here, bloops it over Carlos Santana's head, 52.3 mile per hour exit velocity, a soft fly ball, as baseball savant calls it, but he just drops it in behind uh, Carlos Santana's head, Uh, Daniel Johnson goes to third, and then Miles Straw running on the pitch, Ahmed Rosario shoots a ground ball, this time into left center field, this time he pulls one, It was actually a slider away. They stayed away the entire at-bat, which is crazy to me. This is now against the relief pitcher, Joel Payamps. And uh, he stays away. This guy has gone to right field twice, and yet you're staying away. This time he smokes it 107.6 miles per hour, shoots it back up the middle into left center field. And because Miles Straw was running on the pitch, he never breaks stride. And he comes all the way around from first to score on a single, on a single up the middle. And that's how big of a ballpark the city is. That's how long it took the left fielder, Benintendi, to get over and get this ball. Miles Straw is able to come all the way in. And I think they surprised Kansas City a little bit. I don't think the relay man for Kansas City really thought Miles Straw would be going home on this one. And he just gets his hand in there. Um, so yeah, so Ahmed Rosario now has three RBIs on the day, and he's doing it all for Cleveland. Three nothing Cleveland. His next time up, let's keep going with the Ahmed Rosario show. This time it's the seventh inning. And let me pull up this one. This one is against Kyle Zimmer. That's right, against Bradley Zimmer's brother. And Bradley Zimmer, by the way, will throw this in there facing his brother, does draw the walk in the sixth inning. It doesn't turn into anything. Um, he almost scores. He actually almost scores, but Owen Miller gets caught in a rundown and is tagged out before Bradley Zimmer can score, which, uh, you can't be doing that, Owen Miller. Uh, so yeah, so, uh, this time Kyle Zimmer stays in the game in the seventh. Uh, he gets Austin Hedges to fly out, gets Daniel Johnson to pop out. Miles Straw would single on a ground ball to left field and uh, just gets it past the shortstop, Nicky Lopez. And then Ahmed Rosario would come up And two pitches, another slider, almost in the same location that he hit the single on. Another slider kind of at the thighs, kind of reaching out just over the center of the plate. And Amon Rosario hits this one 104.4 miles per hour. Only difference, he hits this one 420 feet to dead center field. Absolute dead center field. And frankly, I do not remember... Ahmed Rosario hitting many home runs to dead 
center field. It puts the Indians up 5-0. And I'm trying to pull up his spray chart here. And yeah, I'm telling you, there is, this is the only home run of the 2021 season that he has hit to dead center field. He did hit one in 2020 with the Mets to dead center field. Uh, in 2019, there were two to center field. Um, 2018, eh, there's a couple out there in center field, so he will do it. 2017, there was one he hit to center field. So for the Indians so far, we have not seen it. He shot two home runs down the line to right field. I'm guessing one of these might be the in the Parker. Um, and then he pulls all of them to left field so far for the Indians, all his home runs. So this is the first one in an Indians uniform he has hit to dead center field. And it would make it 5 nothing Indians. And uh, yeah, just unbelievable day. Then Bobby Bradley decides to get in on the fun. Bobby Bradley decides to ruin Ahmed Rosario's day. Ahmed Rosario literally was doing everything offensively. Bobby Bradley finally joins in on the action after Bradley Zimmer shoots a single into left field with a shift on, nobody there to cover it. He's on with a big single, and then Bobby Bradley comes up and takes an inside fastball and absolutely destroys it. He takes an inside fastball, and they threw him too. They threw him a cutter in that they missed with, and then he follows it up with a four-seam fastball in basically the same spot. This is off Wade Davis. And he hits at 99.5, 392 uh, to the seats in right field. Kind of a big moonshot, 38-degree launch angle. It was an absolute crushed home run. And good job by Bobby Bradley of getting his hands through that pitch. That's quick hands. We've talked about it with Daniel Johnson. But to hit an inside fastball, up and in fastball, and to pull it like that, you know, maybe if your hands are behind, you end up shooting this ball the opposite way. No, he gets his hands through. He gets the bat head through. And pulls this thing deep down the right into right field. So Bobby Bradley delivering the seventh run, sixth and seventh runs. And why not Ahmed Rosario one more time uh, comes up in the ninth inning. And this time he hits a slow chopper, his final at bat of the day. It's a knuckle curve, a pitch he has not seen yet from Wade Davis. And uh, the first knuckle curve he throws him was in the dirt, comes back with some high fastballs, and then tries to throw him another knuckle curve. This one stays on the plate. This one stays up the thighs. And uh, he chops it, chops it straight into the ground, negative 61-degree launch angle, three feet on the distance, only a 68.9 miles per hour. Sometimes it's better to be luckier than good. And uh, it's a little chopper to third base, and Emmanuel Rivera has absolutely nothing he can do with it. And uh, Ahmed Rosario was safe with his fifth hit on the day. He was untouchable on the day. So a fantastic job by Ahmed Rosario. And uh, yeah, that was the offense, man. That was the offense. Pitching side of things, Zach Plesak absolutely dominated this game. It really helps because it was one nothing for a while. I mean, that solo, that inside the park home run had to hold up until the fifth inning. So, uh, you know, Plesak does a good job of really battling the Kansas City Royals in this game. Seven innings pitched, two hits, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts, only six hard hit balls allowed on 96 pitches, probably his best start of the season. I mean, if we go to the game log for Zach Plesak, it's been a little up or down since he's come back off the IL. His last two starts, he's gotten the win. 
He's actually, uh, since coming back off the IL, um, he is uh, actually for, for a while now. I mean, he was 3-0 and in the month of May. So there's a bunch of no decisions mixed in there. Uh, he's 2-0 and for the month of July, and he's 3-1 and in the month of August. So uh, for some reason, when he pitches poorly, the team doesn't take the loss. They're able to protect him a little bit from taking the loss. Um, so yeah, so since coming back, he's 5-1. and The ERA isn't dazzling, though. I mean, his ERA on the season is still at 449. But his last two starts, he's picked up the win. Uh, gave up eight hits to the Texas Rangers in his start before this, but only limited him to two runs. Uh, so good start there. He did have three walks in that one. This one clearly his best start of the game of the season. Maybe oh wait, we got a start against the Cincinnati Reds uh, back in May, but he took the no decision in that one. Uh, he went eight innings in that one with seven strikeouts. Uh, so yeah, so. Tick better in that one. I mean, an extra inning in that one, but this one was pretty dominant. Seven innings, seven strikeouts. Uh, and how was he doing it? Let's go over to the illustrator and let's take a look at his strikeouts. And uh, he talked after the game about the fastball. And sure enough, the fastball got him five of the seven strikeouts. He went high and got Salvador, Salvador Perez swinging. He uh, also went high and got Oliveris swinging. He went with an outside fastball that froze Michael Taylor. That was one where Michael Taylor actually flashed down to first base, tried to show up the umpire. I think at this point, Plesak was on a roll. At one point, he struck out five in a row. Um, after giving up a double, I believe to Nicky Lopez, he uh, he comes back and he strikes out uh, Salvador Perez, strikes out Carlos Santana to get out of that jam. Then decides to just keep it rolling and strikes out Benatendi to start the fifth, Michael Taylor, and then Oliveris to end the fifth. So strikes out the side in the fifth after striking out the last two in the fourth. Going back to the illustrator, though, uh, so he freezes Michael Taylor on a fastball away. Uh, that was in the fifth inning. He comes, uh, he goes outside to strike out Carlos Santana, uh, gets him to swing through an outside fastball. That was to get out of the fourth inning. Uh, he got Michael Taylor earlier in the game in the second inning, swinging through a low fastball, just blew him away with a 94-mile-per-hour fastball. He said that he started his fastball a little slower, around 90-91. Once he got a feel for it, that's when he started to put some heat behind it, and once it really locked in. And uh, he got Benatendi on a changeup. That was in the fifth inning. That was a foul tip on a 1-2 count. And uh, got Whit Merrifield in the sixth inning, his final strikeout, uh, on a 2-2 slider that he got him to chase down. So he actually said that the slider wasn't working for him that well. And uh, he really didn't have a feel for it. And after he gives up that uh, double to Nicky Lopez, which I believe was on a slider. Uh, let me see if I could pull up that at bat here. No, I'll take that back. The double was on a fastball. Uh, he went and got a fastball up and away that he shoots for a double. But he doesn't throw another slider after that. To Salvador Perez, it's all fastball with a curveball mixed in. Uh, to Carlos Santana, fastballs and changeups. He really stuck the fastball and changeups against Benetton. He did mix in one curveball there in the dirt. Taylor, it's all changeups and then a few fastballs, including the one that freezes him. And Oliveres, it's fastball and changeups. He said post game it was really hard to throw the slider because it was so uh, hu moist, so sweating so much, so much humidity there. 
that he really didn't use the slider a lot. And he only threw it 12 times, only threw the curveball nine times. Threw the changeup 23, it just stuck to the fastball 52 times. Now, the CSW numbers aren't, you know, fantastic on any of these pitches. The fastball would be his best at 29% CSW. Did get 10 called strikes on the fastball, so really locating it well. The changeup, what worked about the changeup, ready for this one? 23 changeups. They swing 11 times. They only whiff once. You add in three called strikes, it's good for a 17% CSW. But of those 11 swings, take away the one whiff. Of the 10 times they made contact, nine foul balls, only one put in play. If the CSW numbers aren't there, boy, those foul balls really help make that pitch feel better, look better at the end of the day. And they add up, man. Those foul balls add up. 22 foul balls, only 14 put in play by the Kansas City hitters. So those strikes will add up. And uh, clearly then he was able to finish them off mostly with fastballs. So a really good day from Zach Plesak. And then Wickren and Alex Young finish it off. What did I tell you about Wickren pitching the eighth inning? He gives up a hit, but he shuts it down in the eighth. Much better in the eighth than he is in the ninth and extra innings. And Alex Young uh, struggles in the ninth, but he's finally able to get out of it after giving up two runs, after giving up two hits and a walk. I think he walked the leadoff hitter. Um, so yeah, so he gives up two runs in that ninth inning. Alex Young, we'll get into him one day. But yeah, the Indians walk away with the win thanks to Ahmed Rosario, your MVP for the day. So yeah, a fun baseball game last night, especially if you're an Ahmed Rosario fan. And how could you not be? He's got his batting average up to two. 90. Are you ready for this? Batting averages for the month of August. Ahmed Rosario comes in fourth in baseball at 372. CJ Crone is at 387. Uh, Tyler Naquin is actually up at 386 for the month of August. Brian De La Cruz from Miami is at 384. And then Ahmed Rosario checks in at 372. Uh, also on this list, no other Cleveland hitter is on this list for a uh, batting average for the month of August, but a few other names will pop up now batting average is one thing, but what about just pure hits who leads major league baseball and hits for the month of August? It would be Ahmed Rosario that five for five night helps him out 42 hits for the month of August. What an incredible month. It was for him. Starling Marte was right behind him at 41. Um, yeah, so what an incredible month. Miles Straw is on this list. Um, he comes in at with 33 hits for the month of August. He was 16th on that list. Um, yeah, so it, it was a good hit month, but it wasn't necessarily a huge RBI month or run month for Ahmed Rosario. Um. RBIs, actually, the leader on the team for the Cleveland Indians would be Jose Ramirez. He comes in 14th in baseball in the month of August with 22 RBIs. But Ahmed Rosario is right there with 20 RBIs, uh, 19th in baseball. He just didn't score as many runs for some reason. Um, For some reason, runs scored. He only has 18 runs scored to be on base that many times and just not score as many runs seems strange. There's a ton of guys tied with 18 runs scored here. And uh, suddenly Fangraphs has decided to completely lock up on me. But uh, let's see if we can pull up the leaderboard for runs scored. Some of the other categories like win probability added and things like that. 
Frankly, Ahmed Rosario didn't rank that highly on some of those lists. Miles Straw is up there with 21 runs scored. He's eighth for the month of August. He had himself a pretty good month, too. Jose Ramirez is 11th with 20 runs scored, 11th in baseball. And then uh, there he is. There's Ahmed Rosario. Checks in at 25th in baseball with 18 runs scored in the month. So for a guy who was on base 42 times, they sure couldn't bring him around to score enough in the month of August. But doesn't take anything away from an absolutely fantastic month of August for Ahmed Rosario. And just for fun, I saw this. I decided to click on it. ESPN had the, we don't click on this often, but the MLB Daily Leaders in Fantasy Baseball. And guess who checks in at number two and number three in all of fantasy baseball uh, last night? It would be Ahmed Rosario 2 and Zach Plesak 3. If you wanted to win your fantasy baseball, your daily fantasy yesterday, you definitely wanted those guys on your team. Blake Snell just eked them out. He went seven innings of no-hit baseball, no runs, and 10 strikeouts. So Blake Snell was the number one fantasy guy followed by Ahmed Rosario and then Zach Plesak. So I think that pretty much wraps up a really good win for the Indians. Now, uh, we are going to have to add some players. We get to add some players in the month of September, but it's not the same as it used to be. Remember, they used to expand the rosters to like 40 players for September call-ups. Now, they're only going to 28. They're going from 26 to 28. So it's not going to have this huge rash of September call-ups. Frankly, those spots are going to be taken by injured players. Um, chances are those spots will be taken by Tristan McKenzie, who's scheduled to pitch, I believe, Thursday. Uh, Logan Allen is pitching tomorrow or tonight, and uh, McKenzie will pitch tomorrow. So there you go. That's one of those spots, one of those expanded roster spots. And the other one's probably going to go to Harold Ramirez. Uh, who should be back from a rehab start pretty soon. Obviously, when Perez or LaVarnaway, whichever one of them get healthy first, will probably take that catching spot from uh, Paul Gonzalez. Hopefully, Gonzalez gets an at-bat. Give him one at-bat before he gets sent back down to the minors. And uh, yeah, that's what you're looking at for your roster. So it's not going to be this huge rash of called-up players and stuff like that, this huge roster uh, that you're going to see. There is going to be an expanded taxi squad, I believe, um, if they do need a sub player in and out. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll see who gets opportunities in the month of September. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Thank you to Phil for the uh, great review. Phil, I really appreciate it. And I'm definitely sending you that t-shirt. Uh, for show merch, remember to visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com. For premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, the official Cleveland Baseball Mornings coffee mug. Come on. Come on. Everybody needs one of those. For men, women, kids, show off your pride for Cleveland Baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes. No matter what app you're listening on, doesn't have to be Apple, any of them, Spotify, whatever you're listening to, it's there. And it's my pinned tweet on Twitter at Davey Barris. Again, the final from Kansas City. It's the Indian 7, the Kansas City Royals 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. 
We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.